Great to see everybody. Great to be together worshiping God because that's what we do in church. We worship God. And uh, it takes that focus of setting your heart and mind on things above. And it's great to be together. But uh, distractions can happen anywhere, even in worship. But I'm really excited. So I want you guys to realize we're, we're getting on a ride right now, a spiritual ride. We're going to look at the book of Acts and realize once Jesus died and raised from the dead, what happened? Well, he walked the earth for 40 more days on earth, speaking more and more about the kingdom of God. Why? Because he's re-stamping what he did for the three years before he died. Follow me. Anyone who comes after me must deny himself, carry his cross daily, and follow me. What good is it to give up, to, to forfeit your very life? What good is it to forfeit your soul? And he says in Mark, and another thing, he says, what can man give in exchange for his soul? It's the way to do that. Jesus came down to earth not to condemn the world, but to save it. Yes. It takes humility for every human being to go, I need to be saved. Yes. Not, just, not just an intellectual thing. I need to literally be saved and get in touch with the depth of wickedness and darkness that I was in because it took a life to get you right. So it makes us all go, wow, you should be super grateful, but you got to be in touch, right? Someone had to die for you to be okay to make it. Wow. So it's going to be exciting. Let's, uh, you know, the year, uh, the theme of our, of our uh, ICC movement, the worldwide movement, which is God's movement because we're obeying the words of God, is you are the God of miracles. You display your power among peoples. And that's in Psalm 77, verse 14. You are the God of miracles. And in that Psalm, he recites... All the miracles, because this person is wrestling in prayer, and he looks back and reminds himself of what God did through Moses on the Exodus and different miracles, and that's what we need to do. And then he goes back in his own life and goes, God, help me. But by praying out loud and remembering what God has done, not only in his word, but what he's done in your life. Did you know it takes a miracle for someone to be saved? The person needs to seek God with all their heart. God says, you cannot find me unless you're willing to seek me with all your heart. Not just kind of look for me. You won't find him. And then you need to be humble. To be willing to listen and obey and change and not be defensive. Or, 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 or you will not see the truth. On Friday, I got together with our Servants of Christ Bible Talk leaders. And it was a really amazing meeting. Uh, we had, a, the room was, the house was stuffed, full. And we were getting ready and I just brought out a beginning thing and I said, guys, before we understand what we're doing and why we're continuing to do what we do, we gotta remind ourselves the stakes couldn't be higher. Well, what do you mean the stakes couldn't be higher? Well, let's look in Revelations 20, verse four. And as you're turning there, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God Almighty, I pray right now as we get into your word that we can all see the supernatural power of your truth 
that's on paper come off because if we look at it and honor it, you are in the spirit and you say that you are looking for those who want to worship you in spirit and truth. As we look at your truth, help us to be moved and excited and eager and humble and reverent and watch the power of you, Father, move our hearts. Be with me as I preach the word. Help us to love your plan and remind ourselves to see that we are just trying to emulate and imitate the first century church that is recorded in the book of Acts. Thank you so much for your guidance of your spirit. Jesus, thank you for leading us right now and always leading your church. But help us to be obedient and submissive to the truth as your powerful spirit moves us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Revelations 20 verse 4 says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. This is the end of the world, the second coming. This is when everybody who's ever lived or will live or is living, it's over when God calls it. So people that are already dead, it's over. When you die, you, your eternity's fixed. When someone dies, there's no chance to get right again if you're not right. Your eternity is fixed at death. And this is when he's saying a, a revelation vision. He's saying, man, I saw the thrones on uh, which were seated those who were given authority to judge. Those are the 12 tribes, the apostles, the judgment with God judging. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. And this is not talking about focusing on the numbers like you see in movies. People get so fanatical like 666 or look at the devil. No, the devil doesn't want you to believe he exists. If he has that, then he's one. What this means is there's a battle against light and darkness. And to get into the light, Jesus died for us to understand our sin and have the faith to seek him and be humble, get broken over our sin and realize we really needed a savior, not only when we were saved, but we need that savior today and be so grateful. And what it should do today is produce gratitude, not shame. Walking in the light is thank you, God. I told a brother that God says he can remember our sins no more. And it's because that's how quick and for he forgives. We need to imitate that. When you quickly forgive, do you still have residuals of attitude? You need to pray and for, but I remember my sin on purpose, not to be shame-filled, but I always, once in a while, want to go back. I never want to forget who I was almost 30 years ago when I first really answered the call to study the Bible and go, really, let me know what Jesus says. I'm open to studying the Bible. And then I really got in touch with the magnitude of the way I was living. Some sins I was just numb to. And I went, oh my gosh, and I never want to forget who that person was. And I've changed, and God has given me a new life, a new creation, the power of the Holy Spirit, but I still have to overcome. But I never want to forget because it produces deep gratitude. And when you're super grateful, you're just excited to do anything. Look at these, these souls were beheaded. Now, you think there's not high stakes? We parked here and we found our way in the double tree. Nice hotel, come in, we're here, and it's great. And there's not really anybody out front trying to behead us or kill us. But see, that can even be dangerous in this kind of a society. Nothing wrong with being grateful for freedom, grateful for what we're at and who we are. But 
if you don't stay in touch with the words of God, this isn't just a different time. Like, whoa, these people were beheaded. He says he sees the souls that were beheaded because of their testimony of what? About Jesus and the word of God. See, you can't talk about Jesus if Jesus doesn't correctly line up with the biblical Jesus from the word of God. But they were beheaded, and God's honoring them. There's people beheaded. So the stakes couldn't be higher. So now let's get in the book of Acts. Uh, people talk about greatness in our day. You know, has anybody even seen a great movie lately? What is it? What is it called? Bustin' Moods? Puss in Boots, the second one. Okay, so I'm... I thought she said busting moves. All right. Avatar, busting boots. All right, yeah. So, you know, if you see a great movie and you share with somebody, a friend that says, was it good? If it was really good and you were really moved, you'll have a little bit of enthusiasm when you're telling them about it. And that, that sells it. People are, you don't have to say, you need to go to this movie. You're going to go, man, it was amazing. I was shocked. I, was, I didn't think it was going to be that good. And a lot of times people go, oh, wow, I'll have to go see that. Great movie, great restaurant, right? If the food was good, the service is good. Sometimes people have a restaurant, they have a go-to restaurant, right? Doesn't have to be fancy, it's just a go-to. They like that food. A lot of times when people go to California, uh, so for some people, people really uh, really love that, that uh, hamburger joint called uh, In-N-Out Burger. Yeah, I've been gone so long. I, I was there and I, you know, I don't eat that kind of stuff anymore. Uh, so I just remember people would land and go, I gotta find an In-N-Out. And they'd wait and you'd look at those In-N-Outs, they always have huge lines. A great book. But you don't hear people talking nearly enough about building a great church. Yes. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Building a great church because it's Jesus' church. He died for us to be free and now we're still saved. And he died for us to continue to advance his kingdom and help people see their need to be saved when they don't even understand it. Yes. Let's look at Acts chapter 1 verse 1. The book of Acts is the written history of the first, first century church in the Bible. It's the blueprint of what God's church ought to look like today. We should fit with the spirit and the heart and the attitude of what we see disciples in the first century. Amen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. The book of Acts is the second book written by Luke, the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote Acts. And it's written, it says, to Theopolis, which is a literary device, meaning friends of God, friend of God. So that's why, you know, all scriptures God breathed. The book of Luke really talks about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And Luke understood what? He understood that Jesus was still ministering in the book of Acts, even though he ascended back into heaven. Just like right now, he's still ministering. Yes. God is real. God is alive. 
And he's ministering today, wanting all of us to listen, grow, change, maybe get, be humble. Maybe some of us never studied the Bible. I know I was in a congregation like this, and people were talking, and I was hearing it, and it was hitting me, and I was like, I believe, but I never understood this. And I said, what, what's going on? And that's when I started to open my eyes to Bible studies, and then it blew my mind. Acts is also known, it's called, referred to as the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, the Bible says the Spirit, God is, the Spirit is always moving and working, it's God's Spirit. We see that the message on Jesus' heart after his resurrection and before the ascension was the kingdom of God. We just, and, and, and we read that, right? In verse 6 it actually says that, if you look in verse 6. The first principle studies on the coming of the kingdom of God, which we'll be doing in a few weeks on Wednesdays. And if you're visiting, ask somebody who brought you because we, we are doing a series on the topical biblical topics that one needs to understand and believe to really understand what it means to be a true disciple, a true Christian of Jesus in the Bible. Jesus gives his followers a charge that would be motivating and be the motivating vision for his church, not only to them, but to us today. Let's, let's pick it up in verse 7. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness, witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, the phrase ends of the earth is seen 48 times in the Bible. 42 in the Old Testament and 6 in the New Testament. What does it mean to go to the ends of the earth? Well, it means we're going to go to every piece of land if there's human beings there. That's what Jesus says. Go make disciples of all nations. That's why we have mission teams. That's why we have mission goals every year because it's Jesus saying, I'm not back yet. And I have the word canonized, but it's got to be handled correctly. And people, you need to bring my truth to all nations, to the ends of the earth. This is old. We're going to be replacing this one. Yes. This is 2023. It's got 17 church plantings. Yeah. We actually did 20, and not just us. We're talking about 28. Our, our 28 we actually did now. Our movements, our churches around the world, all yeah. of us combined work together. These are all now you could go visit them. Yeah. You want to go to uh, Kampala, Uganda? Amen, church. Amen. <laughs> You know, because they need to be saved too. Yes. That's yes. done. Why? The sacrifices of those of us last year who sacrificed to meet the goal to give to missions as Orlando does its part, the, all the churches go, what's it going to take? And we sacrifice as though even if they're going to behead us. Because if you're going to be beheaded, I don't know, that's pretty intense. So are you going to be willing to sacrifice to really continue to be part of evangelizing the world and sacrificing and be willing to want to give to advance the kingdom and plant missionaries and churches. Amen? Amen. So that's the scope and acts of 28 chapters. As we study these chapters, we're going to see the evangelization of the world in that first century. Wow. They got to every creature under earth, Paul says. Wow. Let's look at point one, Great Commission. Let's go to Matthew 28, verse 18. We will never build a great church without the vision of the Great Commission. And if we don't keep that vision, then we just come dead people coming and be pew or, or chair sitters week to week, and we're unrecognizable. 
with the mission or vision or even the light of God as disciples throughout the week. We're just church-going folk. That's not what God called you to be. Matthew 28, verse 18, Then Jesus came to them all and said, All authority in heaven has been given, and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It is here that Jesus commands us, not asks us, not says it's a command. Once you're a disciple and you understand you're saved in Christ, he's saying now you should have the heart to go, yeah, I want to be saved. Jesus is Lord. But now I want to learn to help others understand that. And that's why a lot of times Jesus would say when he washed their feet or did something, they said, well, you don't understand the meaning of what I'm doing right now, but you will. And go and do likewise. He would always say, if I touch someone, the reason I'm touching someone is to get their attention. Go and do likewise. Love people. Wash their feet. Go and do likewise. See, we have uh, what we call in our movement a crown of thorns project. What does that mean? Well, we th we, you know, uh, where the Bible speaks, we don't speak. Where the Bible doesn't speak, we speak. That's one of our core convictions because that's what the Bible says. As long as we're accomplishing the current and the truth of what Jesus says. Like we have small groups that meet throughout the week we call Bible talks. That's not literally in the Bible, but it says do that. And they meet in homes and houses and, and be fishers of men and, and, and love one another and, and, and really hit, move people, right? Yeah. So our crown of thorns is amazing here because we, we, the Jerusalem and Acts is where it began. And that's, that's the truth of the history. So as a movement, when we started realizing, man, it's messy out there. Churches have gotten really messy. Where can we find a church that's living out the truth and doing it? And most of us, myself included, wasn't even living it right until I was invited to a church like this in Los Angeles for me and started really being humble to the words of God and saying, no, I, I didn't know that. No, oh, wow. And then they would just ask me, does your life line up? Is it recognizable? I said, no, I didn't even know that. So by your points, your, your life doesn't match up to being right with God as a Christian. I said, what, what do I need to do? And that was humility. I had to go whatever it takes. And I got in touch with my sins. And my whole life was just, it was over. My whole life, I had, it was radical. I was like a three-legged man. I felt so much things changed. It was so, I had to change everything. Because my part of life, it was just, I didn't understand the life of a disciple. So see, in, in, in Los Angeles, we started this again going, hey, let's, let's do what God said. We got to start somewhere. Let's make disciples. And we have really moved and we have churches and we've planted churches in 41 nations since 2006. Wow. That's churches. That, that's sacrifice, guys. I'm not talking about just a group of people with a Bible study. I'm talking about made disciples, missionary men, men and women raised up, trained to be leaders, tested and then sent out eventually with a mission team. People willing to move completely forever. That's giving up everything, go anywhere and do anything for Jesus. But that's what the stakes are. Because when you run to realize that this is a short time on earth, what is more important than serving God with all your heart? We have 86 more nations to plant. I don't look at that like, oh, you know, I have my birthday today, I'm 27. 
And it's... You know, you can see how smooth my face is. It's like I ordered this Oriental, uh, it's Orient Pearl Cream from the Orient. I just put it on there and it just takes the wrinkles away. I'm 61 today. Why do I say that? I'm going to die saved, but I need to be fired up in my purpose. And if I don't keep focused, God gave me a purpose to be part of building his kingdom. That's what a church does. But it actually benefits us because it keeps us moving and in touch with the spirit and keeps us spiritual. And I either Jesus will come back and I, I will, you know, be clothed in white. Are you ready when he calls your name in the songs we sing? Be righteous, walk in the light. Or I'll die, and he's not back, but I'll be grateful to die in a church that's con con commended by Jesus and God looking down, and I'll be fired up, and I'll just wait till he raises me out. Either way, I'm fired up and I'm focused. So we are doing great. We also have what we call Operation Eagle. And that was just saying that, you know, in the United States as a movement, we should have churches in every, every state. Now, some of you who are visiting may go, well, how do you know there's not other churches? We're not ever saying that. Yeah. All we know is that if we're a movement, if every disciple just uh, decided like, oh, okay, there must be just, everybody must be doing it, so don't worry about it. Let's just come to church on Sunday. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. Right. So once you assume, if someone assumed, until someone got in my life and called me, I thought I was right with God. Right. And most of the time when I study with people, people actually don't know until they see the Bible. So the point is, we just obey God and go make disciples. If we run into other disciples that match up with the scriptures as Jesus defines, because that's it, then that's less we got to get and go, amen. amen. But until we, we don't just go, oh, I bet there's people out there. No, there's a lot of people unsaved. Jesus says the road is narrow. The, the road to destruction is wide. Right. So Operation Eagle, we got it. And, and now we have 37, like Sonia said, 37 churches in 37 states. Woo! Awesome. We have 13 more to plant. In, in uh, Florida, we have six. Yeah. And in many of the states, we have more. Why? Because we're going to keep going to the ends of the earth. When we get to all those nations, we go to the main global uh, population centers of the popular, of what, what most people in the world would say are amazing uh, crown of thorn churches, but, but not just us, like Santiago, London, Paris, Moscow. These are all huge centers. Pillar churches, we call it. We go there, and they kind of surround the globe with all these major churches, and we get there, and then we're building churches, and as we're raising people up, they're sending out, and eventually they're starting to take out and do their part of the world, so it's not overwhelming. There's a plan yes. to pepper and go to the ends of the earth, and as we keep going and keep populating, eventually, if we get every city and everyone, and then we're going to start going, to, we're still going to go to the ends of the earth. If there's a little villages out there, we're going to get there. We just have to have a plan to be able to sustain the work that God's given us. Amen? Isn't that awesome? So let's uh, ask these questions here. I want to ask you a question. Are we obeying Jesus' command? Church, members, individually, are you obeying Jesus' command? Will you go and give up everything? Jesus says give up everything or you can't be myself. What does that mean? It's a heart issue. And that's why he's always preaching in between. Do not store up treasures in your heart. That wrath and wrath. That's why he's always teaching, watch out. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He's, Jesus is always peppering that to help remind us because we know as disciples, those of us who understand the, the call is to keep God first, but the trappings 
are powerful and temptation and distraction. And it's not even sometimes we just need to help each other stay on point and keep God first because the devil, Peter said, I mean, Jesus said to Peter, the devil wants to sift you. Well, what, what do you think? It's just Peter? No, devil wants to stop the work of God. Peter was going to be a main leader in God's, when God started his movement. So Satan's going to try to take out anyone that can help someone become a Christian. Leaders that are maybe a little bit more influential, but any disciple that now knows how to teach the truth. It's a battle, but don't be afraid because if you stay close to God, Satan can't touch you, but he's going to try to touch you because now you know the truth. If you don't know the truth, he doesn't really care. Just if you're not doing anything, just keep, it's fine. Just watch him from afar. He's not really making any difference and he knows and has no clue. That's what the devil does. So be excited that you're counted worthy to be persecuted. Do you have a great discipling relationship where you are lovingly urging one another to become more like Christ? That's what Jesus says. He he didn't die to have you be like you. You know, have you ever heard someone say, that's just the way I am? Well, Jesus died for you to be more like Jesus, not the way you are. I know this is where you're at, but just be open to continue to want to grow if it's a sinful character issue or something, right? Because it, you know, it's not like anybody judging, but that's what we need to do. We need to help lovingly urge and help spur one another on and, and have those tight relationships so we can speak, not in a judgmental way, but in a loving way. How you doing? Not in a, like, how you doing? But in a, how you doing? Amen. We need to take time and priority to be in each other's lives because it's a battle. You got to ask yourself if it, comes to the Great Commission, if everyone was like me, what kind of church would would this be? If everyone prayed like me, what kind of church would this be? And now, I'm not saying there's a certain meter or time to pray. I always say, you pray until you get your heart right. If you're struggling with whatever, you just start talking out loud and, and just reiterate what you're thinking. If you're struggling, just pray. And if you're reading the Bible, God even helps you with the truth because the truth anchors you when you pray in the Spirit. God's going to even help you. You'll be shocked if you continue to really make an effort to pray daily. You'll watch, like, your heart. You, you realize, I always thought I was going to get with somebody, and sometimes you won't because your heart will just be adjusted by the prayer. You already prayed it out. Yeah. If everybody loved the Bible like me, How sound would our doctrine be? Are you in your Bible? Don't just one time. You've got to be consistently in it because that's the anchor of truth. Point number two is the great message. We will never build a great church without the unapologetic preaching of the great message. Look at Acts 2, verse 22. Peter preaches this. Acts 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. See, just 50 days earlier than this, what we just read, Peter had been a coward before a servant girl and in fear claimed that he didn't even know Jesus. 50 days earlier. 
And now he stands before thousands and lays out the message that though Jesus was God, we murdered him. Our sin, he had to take our place. So even though we weren't there physically and manhandled by the evil uh, barbarians that did it and the Pharisees that lied and trumped it up, it wasn't even about that. Our sin put Jesus on the cross. Jesus had to die. And when you're ready to go, I killed Jesus, that's what humbles you to go. That's why he came. It's hard to say that. But once you do and understand it, you own it. Now you're moved to serve God. Many times we're tempted to only deliver the positive parts of the gospel. And what I mean by that, the truth that only is like encouraging in that moment. But are you willing to hear the challenging parts or the correction parts? Because God says the road's narrow. So if it's really narrow and it's not, it, we're saved by grace, but God says you got to make every effort. If you're not willing to exercise your heart and be humble and let God move your heart and then keep your heart soft, then you're not willing to be corrected by God's word or people. Because that's the biggest thing, sin, pride, and defensiveness. Peter then goes on to proclaim the great message of the resurrection. Look in verse 29 of Acts 2. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on an oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did he see his body decay. See, the resurrection proves that Jesus is the Messiah right? All the faithful 11 apostles went to their death saying he rose from the dead because they wouldn't renounce it. They died. Terrible deaths. It's what separates Christianity from every other kind of religion there is. Think about it. If you look in Buddha's grave, his bones are there. If you look in Confucius's grave, his bones are there. If you look in Muhammad's grave, his bones are there. If you look in Abraham's grave, his bones are there. But if you look in Jesus' tomb, it is empty. How great is your conviction that Jesus was from God? That you are responsible for murdering him because of your sin on the cross? And that God raised this Jesus to life and that he will raise us as well if we are united with him. Look at Acts 2.36. We'll continue. Peter's preaching. Acts 2.36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. See, how great is your conviction 
that this is the only way to be saved. And that false doctrines and cheap grace like praying Jesus in your heart are insulting to God and, the wor- and, and, and Satan loves it. The question you have to ask yourself is when it comes to this great message, if everyone was like you or me, what kind of church would this be? You can't rationalize it. Peter breaks it down. He had the keys. Jesus said, you're going to build my kingdom. And he preached powerfully. And the first 3,000 were God-fearing Jews from the old covenant. Going, and, and really what God was saying is this is the final plan. Jesus, my son, God as human being is the final plan of God on earth. If these God-fearing Jews who were as right as they probably could be before this message was preached... They were still in the old covenant. They were fine. But the minute they, if they would have got defensive and said, no, I'm not doing that. They would have went from being right to not being right. Because the word of God was continuing and they stopped obeying. See, for them, there wasn't much repentance because they were doing everything they could to even be right with God. They traveled very far. They were already in the light as much as you could. So for the Gentiles like us, we had to get in touch with it. These people were right on. Their sin was, their sin would have been if they didn't believe Jesus is Lord. This is the one that you wrote, that you, that was written in the Old Testament. This is the prophet that they've been talking about. Jesus is this one. And what did they say? What do we do? They were cut. And he said, what are you doing? Let's pick it up again. It says in verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you, not some, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for what? The forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. We're far off. We were far off then. We were really far off. That was 2,000 years. So he's talking for you guys, your children, maybe little. They weren't old enough to understand. Or they didn't, or the children you have. And then he says, for all who are far off, whoever, all the centuries, why we're continuing to still make disciples in all generations. And thank God someone carried the torch to this century and a remnant of disciples kept it alive to continue to rise up. Because don't take it for granted once you understand the truth is not handled. And it's rare to find a church that absolutely holds only to the word of God and leaves all uh, traditions that have been added over centuries to not be held up with the scriptures. Point number three, the great commitment. Some of you are hearing this and you're not, you're not right and you come from a possibly maybe an upbringing thinking different. You are in sin if you don't surrender this. It's not me. It's not the church of Christ saying this. Get baptized. Repent. But first understand what's it mean to repent. If you were baptized as an infant, you didn't have a clue. Your parents meant well, but they didn't know what they were doing. Watch a baby get water poured on them. They're freaking out. They're not going, oh, Jesus, Lord. They're like, eh, they're free. They don't even know what's going on. And the parents are like, hold them, hold them. They're like, they don't know what it is. It's a, sac- it's a sacrilegious tradition. And I don't mean to disrespect anybody, but that's what it is. And we got to start having good talks with people and say, no, I'm not going because I've studied the Bible. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Because this isn't about trying to be polite. This is about holding up the word of God. And it's going to be uncomfortable when you confront grandma and grandpa because they've lived in tradition. That's not right for 20, 60, 100 years. It's time to step up and say, guess what? I've been studying the Bible and I've learned things that I don't see in what I was raised. And I know you meant well, but can I show you? All they got to say is, what do you mean? 
or no, I'm not interested. Not we done, then that's their pride. So don't think you're not doing it right. So I need you to repent or think or seek God if you're visiting and that's hitting you weird. Find out. Ask questions. Yes. Look into the Bible. Don't waste your time living through life and go to hell because you're hearing it over and over and you're not changing. Great, great commitment. Point three, great commitment. We will never build a great church without a great commitment. Acts 2.42. After they were baptized, what did they do? They met together and they said in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Well, we'll never build a great church without a great commitment. Many people that came to Jerusalem, the God Free Jews, 3,000, they stayed. They didn't want to go back. That's why there was great collections and great sacrifice because they go, we have all these people. And that's what they said because once they realize this is the truth, where do I go? There's no church. There's no church. I just am learning this. I need to stay. So they stayed. And that's why the people were offering properties and great sacrifice because they started to build the church. And because and, they couldn't go back until they got trained. Where are they going to go? So they committed to give up everything and stay there and build. It's amazing to see such a great response to the gospel. 3,000 in one day. What was their number before 3,000 was added? Well, let's look at Acts 1.15. In Acts 1.15, it tells us the number of believers was about 120. Okay, so... All that Jesus did for three years, died on the cross. He could have thought from a human point of view, what a waste of time. It didn't work. My business failed. I tried to open the business of saving souls, and it's a failure. Like if you guys opened a business, right, and you cranked for three years and got it out there and put your heart into it and your soul and traveled and whatnot, and then the great grand opening at the cross, and he died, even the guys that were working for him, the man, so to speak, people going, I'll be with you, they all split. Wow, but we, we don't look at, that's not how God looks at things, right? One soul is worth it. You were worth it. If you were the only person on the planet Earth, Jesus would have still come down and died. Because his love, he knows he knows the hairs on our head. We know about uh, that, thank you, my sister. We know that his faithful 11 apostles were there among, along with some of the women, women leaders who supported Jesus' ministry. Women are awesome. Women, the women of God, we believe in a women's ministry. Obviously, Jesus leads the church and men lead, but women are awesome and they're gentle and they have amazing things to learn from. That's why God gives us suitable helpers. Without Sonia, I would have been stuck in the gutter. She helps me in so many things and she's gentle and strives to be a kind, gentle wife. And she's very patient, and thank you so much for loving me for 28 years. So, so most likely, the 72 that Jesus talks about, he had sent out were there with the 120. Because remember, he sent them out. And perhaps most inspiring, his mother and brothers were saved. His mother and brothers were there. And you remember in the Gospels earlier, they were against him. He said, your mother, in Mark 3, 21, says, your mother and brothers are outside. And he goes, who are my mother, brother, and sisters? These around me who obey the word of God. And then, you know, it stops there. But you know, the guy had to go back out and said, guess what? I tried to get him. He said, this is my family. And, he did, and that would have hurt their feelings. But what was he doing? He, didn't, he was a great son, but he had to make a statement that spiritual family is above blood family. Amen. If 
if you're calling someone not to obey the Bible, and no matter what, you love your family. God gave you blood family. Your parents, you honor them no matter what. You, you love no matter what, but you don't put them before truth if it causes you to compromise. So we know they were there. And early in Jesus' ministry, they had thought he was out of his mind, like I said. Let us, you know, let us stay in prayer and focus on imitating Jesus' example so our physical families could be counted among the saved. And Jesus had to take a stand. They were ticked off. They thought he was out of his mind. They literally said, he's out of his mind. We need to get a hold of him. That's how my parents, my family looked at me when I came in. My sister even said, when I first got baptized, I was reaching out to her and she was with us. And, 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 and I don't remember doing this, but there's nothing wrong with it. But she said to my family, he even in the morning whistles when he reads his Bible. <laughs> and that was like, I was like, I was like almost cowering, like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like they were saying, he's you know you can you can you can you can paint it up. It can sound really weird. He's whistling while he reads his Bible. Now, if you were doing a movie scene, you could go like this. You, I can't even whistle right now. I could be whistling right, and someone could walk in, and they could make it seem really weird. I'd stop and look at him and go. That's how they could play it and look at Tara, but all I was doing, I don't even remember whistling, but what's wrong with that? I was just, but he's like, whistles, because she wasn't open, and we were reaching out to her, and she thought we were freaks. Still love her to this day. Great commitment leads to explosive growth. When you see someone devoted or committed, it's inspiring, whether it's in athletics, business, character, family, it's inspiring. Children that grow up, they even will come back once they're growing up and they'll thank their parents more and they'll say, I know that was hard. I just want to thank you. Because I realized when you disciplined me, I didn't like it, but now I realize what you produced and I'm thanking you. Because I see the commitment and the character you built in me. Right? But as spiritually speaking, that does the same. We got to inspire each other. Acts 2.42 says they, were, they devoted themselves. So... Let's look down at Acts 2.47. This tells us that God continued to add to their number daily. And let me just get there real quick, sorry. Acts 2, uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It's uh, Acts 2.47, it says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What's that mean? Praising God. Making disciples, you could even equate praising God as staying close to God, which would, I would dare say it fits into the greatest commandment. Yes. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and stake. You're going to be praising God and honoring Him, whether you're in church, work, daily, wake up, honor God, right? Praising God, it's going to keep your heart right. You're going to get strength to love people and attitude adjust when you need to be what you need to be for people. And then it says enjoying the favor of all the people. See, people see you've been changed, and they see you're not better than anybody, but they see you changing because of the power of God and your love. And look what it says. Because of that, the Lord added to their number daily. Those are being saved. What? They were coming in. They were understanding the message. They were seeing this devotion and love, and then they're like, what do I need to do? Well, let's look at scriptures. Just like those people that were cut to the heart. What do we need to do? Right. Isn't that great? Yes. And let's go to Acts 4, verse 4. And that's why to stay fired up isn't a natural thing. You got you to get yourself there, right? 
And we know this in the world. If you want to start some or you're the captain of the football team or the basketball team, you can't just go, hey, coach, you know, if they point to you that and you're fired up, it's probably because you showed it. But then, you know, you got to check yourself. It's like, oh, I don't feel like this. And you're out there and the coach is looking at you and you're just like, come on, guys, let's do our best. Let's try to, you know, try to do your best. It's like, what the heck? Where, where, where are you? Because it's like you, you, you were the guy fired up. Hey, guys, let's go. Let's rally. It's like it doesn't even, you don't even need a title. You're the guy that's already looking at him going, whoa, this dude just pulls people in. He's moving on the court. He's already commending people. He's slapping them. Going, great job. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just pick it up. We'll get it again. You know what I mean? You're looking at it going, whoa, that's the guy. And that's, Jesus is the guy for us, and we want to be like that guy. And we want to imitate his heart, men and women, God's heart of love. Are you guys with me? So imitating, that's, that's how we're going to grow. Loving, keeping God first, honoring, walking in the light, and then sharing and loving with people. And God will add to the number. Not us. We just do the footwork and love and, 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 and be available. See? There you go. Look in Acts 5, 14. 5, 14. It says here, nevertheless, more and more women, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. See, they continued to take the message out with zeal, loving God, and then what was the message? They didn't go back on what was precedented. They taught the message. Um, so this is incredible because the churches were strength. Look at look how they're going and going and going. Look in... Uh, Acts 16.5. We, we get a blueprint as they're continuing to build and do what Jesus says. Go make disciples. And that's what we're doing. There should be movement because God honors those who are in the truth and faithful servants. He's going to honor that. And uh, I said Acts 16, right? Yeah. Hold on. I went to Acts 16.5. And we go there and it says here. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. So growth isn't about numbers, it's about loving God and helping souls be saved, which will be, if you will, numbers. But numbers are hard and coarse, it's not about that. It's about doing what God said and loving people and bringing them in and baptizing. So a church should be growing, not only should we each be growing with the fruit of the Spirit and developing and, be, and growing more like Christ and maturing, but then people that are open will study like you've seen. We had uh, 33 baptisms and eight restorations this last year. We're going to clap for anything, but that's pretty good because we're making impact. And we know the road's narrow. In the parable of the sowers, it says only one makes it. I mean, it's like not, not everybody's going to be open, but we, we, we deliver an attractive, loving gospel. It's not our job to convince them. It's our job to be available and say, God changed my life. And this is what God did for me. And then you share how God is working. And then people are going, hey, I'd like to know. Well, come. Would you like to look at some scriptures? And then it's up to them being humble. Amen? Amen. You guys with me? Yes. Point four, great boldness. We will never build a great church without great boldness. You know, before, because of their preaching in Jesus' name, they were sent to prison throughout the Acts at times. Sent to prison because you're talking about Jesus. How would you feel right now if there was a law, if you're caught talking about Jesus, you're not just going to get persecuted, you're going to get arrested and sent to jail, prison. You'd have to, that, I mean, but that's, that might happen. But you got to go, is it real or not? Um, 
But because of their preaching in Jesus' name, they were sent to prison. And still the number of men grows to 5,000, it says. 5,000 at one time. That's just men. So the women were grew too. Because in those days, that's how they wrote it down. Look at Acts 4.10. When they were questioned, when they are questioned by the authorities about how they healed the man, a man, Peter responds in Acts 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are, called, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he is healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God has raised from the dead, that this man stands before you and is healed. They could have easily left out the most convicting part of the message. Telling them that you crucified Jesus. Jesus died for you. And that, that's like, excuse me? We just put these guys in jail. So the authorities themselves... That he, he, he let those authorities and anyone else, us included, know that we're all responsible for crucifying Jesus. Yeah. That either people will shun that because either you're really going to believe that. And if you really believe someone died for you, you're not going to go, oh, okay. You're going to go, what? I need to understand more. How could someone do that? And, but, but if you just don't care, you just keep walking and don't change. Yeah. Peter does not cower to being politically correct. Look in Acts 4.13. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Verses, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Wow, ordinary, unschooled men. Nothing wrong with getting educations, guys. I'm not saying that, but, he, but what the point is, is like, we knew these guys. How are, the, what's going on? This, these, are, these are those guys we knew before, but... They were just hanging out with fishermen. I mean, what's going on? It's like, what? I can't believe who they are now. They're astonished. See, when you get right with God, you get courage. Not just to share your faith, you get courage. Because timidity and cowardness is a sin. The Bible says the cowardly, the unbelieving, the murderers, the sexual immoral, people who are sexual immoral, and all liars will burn in the lake of sulfur, the second death, judgment. He puts liars, murderers, with Cowards and unbelievers. Wow. It's pretty powerful in Revelation. Yeah. You've you got to grow in your courage. Yeah. doesn't mean be mean and tough like that, but it means, excuse me, uh, I'm a human being, you're a human being, I have just as much right to be here as you. Amen. Not trying to be mean, but, uh, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Right. So, it is because they had been with Jesus. They had great times with God. They were walking in the Spirit. See, if you have times with Jesus in the Word, in prayer, you'll be, you, it'll, you know, you know this. When you read and pray, you walk out with a different perspective every day. And if you don't, God's with you. But then you learn even like, whoa, I need God. You just feel stressed. Anxiety's quicker. All these things that you don't like that feel terrible come in quicker. You get edge. You get impatient. And you go, what's wrong with me? Oh, my gosh, God, help me. Yeah. Right? God says, I will. Point number five is great power and great sacrifice. We're never going to build a great church without great power and great sacrifice. Look in Acts 4.32. 
All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them. There was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, from the apostles, called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. See, I've already talked about this. You can look at, oh, that's the rich people. No, you're all rich. We're all rich. If you're in America, you're rich compared to the world. And I don't mean to say you don't have issues, but you just got to keep perspective here. And even now, and since I've been alive, you pretty much want a job, you can get one in our economies. You may not be the job you want, but you got to work until you get another job. You learn that character issue. But great, sac- great power, great sacrifice. You know, you can't outgive God and generosity. You grow in that. No one tells you to do anything. But as you grow, you realize God's a generous God. You're generous. And, 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 and God says, if you're generous, then I'm going to make you more generous because I don't want to stop that kind of heart. Yeah. It's the way it works. Yeah. We're never going to build a great church without power, great power and great sacrifice. Come on, you know, are you willing to sim- simplify and sacrifice if God called you to do that? Sacrifice hurts. Yeah. Caleb said that. I mean, that's a statement I really always say. Is I, I always say this on giving or whatever you're doing. Faith and sacrifice go together. Stress and fact, sacrifice means there's something going on with you and God and you need to get back with God. Because it's not God-centered. You're feeling probably something, but you're not centered of why you do what you do. Yeah. And then before God, you examine your heart and then you pray about it. See what I'm saying? We planted 30 church, was it? 28, excuse me, because it goes up. This year, right now, we have on on goal for our movement to plant 30 churches. Because if we don't contribute to help, who will? If a disciple's not willing to do it, then who will? No one. They'll just build more religiosity, denominations, and just be dead in their, in their tombs of being in false doctrine. No offense, but that's the truth. Because God, you know, you've got to just read the Bible. It's like people don't take time to read the Bible. I didn't for uh, 30 years. And then I went, whoa. And then I had to make a decision, like what I'm believing and what church I'm in doesn't match the Bible. Now I've got to figure it out. It's not even a church. Not disrespectful. It's just a building of people that think they're right but aren't. Because church, the word church really can only use before God as a true church. See, if we came from churches, you go, I was in my church, I was serving. Amen for your heart, but you weren't right with God. You're in false doctrine. We can get, we can get faked out sometimes. Like, I, once you become a disciple, I was in. No, it holds no water. You can learn lessons, but you can't commend yourself being in a false doctrine. You never made disciples correctly. You just got to be honest so you stay humble and clear. Because not, it's not our church, it's God's church. Jesus. Let's look at, let's talk about point number six, great fear. We're never going to uh, build a great church without great fear of God. Look in Proverbs 1, 7. You guys with me? Yeah. Proverbs 1, 7. What's that mean? Well, sometimes people say, I'm not going to follow a God I got to be afraid of. See, you don't understand. You should be afraid of him. But he doesn't want you to be that way. But God is in control of everything. 
And God says the wrath of God is coming. So you need to get that down. Anybody who studies the Bible needs to grasp that. Because no matter what, the wrath of God is coming. That's why Jesus came and said, I'm trying to plead with you to be saved. God cannot be in the presence of sin in heaven. He won't have it. And he's saying, I need you to want to change because I want you with me. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs 9 verse 10 Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. There is a God, you're not Him. And if there's a way to get right with Him and you say, I, I won't do it, He's still patient. But I wouldn't play that bet. Because once you know, don't get around, I'm going to get right with God when I'm older, I want to have fun. People are just, they don't understand what they're saying. But God, you know what I mean? Once you understand, you're going to have the most fun as a disciple because you're in the light and you're having a great time. Let's look at Acts 5.1. Acts 5.1. See, some disciples lost their fear of God even in the first century, and we're going to see about this. Because if you lose your fear of God, you can be in trouble. Because you're not following man, you're not following an organization. We're following God and striving to be disciples. Look in Acts 5.1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came, the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried it out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said, Peter uh, asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. That is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Let me tell you something. I was watching a football game, and I think many of you saw it in the news or saw it last week. The, the young man still in the hospital in critical condition. Never seen it before. The whole game was stopped. It was two football teams. And I couldn't believe it because I've seen people get hit really bad. This guy was defense, he stopped the ball and, he, and, and they, they had a hit and he stopped but it was on camera and he was standing there and he went limp and fell down and looked like he died. And they had to perform CPR for nine minutes on the field. And he was rushed and right now he's not out of the woods. They're just praying that he can hopefully have a life. But when you look at, when I looked at the camera, it looks like when someone falls down and dies, it's like they just, like if your heart stops, you, you're not gonna like break your fall. They, he just went boom, just, just collapsed limp. It was like eerie intense. God can do anything. 
And the key is, he's so patient and loving, the issue is not here about the money, guys. It's lying. See, he says, isn't it your money? Why did you exaggerate? Why do you try to look like a holy roller and say, I'm doing this, but you didn't do it? You get to make your own decisions. See, when you make your pledge to give weekly to support the church, it's not that even if something happens and you need to lower it, no one's legalistically holding you, but before God, you pray before you do that, and you go, why aren't you keeping to that vow? Because it's not to the church, it's to God working in God's church. But if you don't stay with it or you miss, I don't know what you're thinking. It's not good. I'm not talking about, we don't even need the money. God doesn't need the money. I'm talking about lying. If you're deceitful in any area, if there's any secret lie in you right now, you're in danger of being killed. Because all you got to do is be honest with God and be open. Why hide something? There's consequences. Not by God. God allows them to roll. You may hurt somebody. See, if you lie and break trust with somebody, it's going to hurt their feelings when you tell them. If you're in a marriage and you have adultery or deceitful, and you have to, you got to tell them. What are you going to do? Oh, they might leave me. They can't handle it. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. That's your problem. God said you got to bring the sin up. And hopefully they can work through it, but you can't go, oh, they won't understand. No, you just need to be honest and open with God. Yes. It's better to fear God than people. Yes. That's why once you walk in the light, you really go, I'm so grateful to keep it that way. Yeah. See what I'm saying? We see a couple in the church right here that they, they, they lied about what they were giving financially. And they immediately suffered the consequences. And what does the church do? The church was in great fear because they saw God do it. The apostles weren't going, you're going to die. They said, what are you doing? You're lying to God. The spirit is making it clear. And they, and, and, and they struck them both. God struck them dead. And even the wife came back three hours later. It's so amazing. They go, hey, is this the price you gave? Because they're not going to baby someone. And the lady was like this. I can almost feel the hesitation. Yes. Like, she probably was wondering, like, what, where's my, what's going on? But she still lied. And it's not, she goes, they go, you're not lying to us. You're lying to God. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Have that reverence for God. Don't take the grace for granted. And when you are in sin, be grateful that God continues to forgive you. And, and when you were maybe brought to the knowledge of the truth and you need to be helped to repent, then be grateful that God left you alive to repent and go, I never, ever am going to not be grateful for grace. Yeah. But don't take advantage of it, right? Yeah. See, we have to build a great church for God, and we have to be strong. And coming in for a landing here, let's look at Revelations 2.20. The respect for the power and authority of our Creator is a must. Once you understand the truth especially, there's got to be a great fear of God in the church. And see, even inside relationships, everything you do is for God. You know, if a couple's in sin that's dating and they're impure in a pattern, we don't make them break up. If they don't break up, they're fools. What are you, mature enough? You're in each other's pants being impure? No. You should go, I can't do it. I'm not mature enough. I need to be right with God. Why would you try to be in something where you're dishonoring God? You're not mature enough. You're not strong enough. If you're impure, what are you doing? Did Jesus die for you? If you're consistently living in sin, why? If Jesus died for you, why aren't you repenting? That's what God's looking for. Because you, you know the truth. What are you doing? Sitting in your sin and greed? Or what are you doing? Get open today and change. Let's go forward in a mighty church and walk in the light. You know the statement, he ain't playing? 
That's what God's saying. And I'm giving you a lot of grace and mercy. I'm going to forgive you, love and patience, kindness, but don't willfully try to deliberately disrespect me. That's what he's saying. Get help, be open, be humble, take your pride out. Don't try to be something you're not. Just be you and grow in the Lord. Let someone compliment you, but don't go all look at me. Just go, well, and someone says, wow, bro, you're really encouraging. Amen. Thank you. Praise be to God. Amen. Revelations 2.20. Jesus rebukes the church in Revelations 2.20. Because we're starting out strong this year, and we're going to get the crust off and be fired up. Yesterday, we had men's and women's workshops, and I had a spinal issue, and I have not missed a service since I got out of the hospital. Yesterday, I had to. And I was like, up to the last moment, I had to text Earl, but I'm not trying to be a hero. I said, I can't do it. I'm having a problem. Obviously, Jesus led in the church. Earl brought it down. Uh, Parker preached awesome. Afonso did the core convictions. Because Jesus leads the church. But the issue really is, there was a lot of people missing yesterday. Men and women, what the heck are you doing? If you're part of this church, what did you do? You went to work? What did you do? We've been announcing this for a long time. It's like, oh, you're making me go? No. This is what we are calling you to do as evangelists. I'm appealing to you once a year. Come together and let's be part of this and make it happen. And if you miss legitimately and something happened, amen. But why, if it was on your heart, did you take it to heart? Yes. What sacrifice is stopping you from being there when, when we do that? Just to get on the same team. What, we, we, it, it, people were beheaded for it. Just be on the focus and just, you know, you're forgiven, but just ask yourself why. I'm not just doing this for my health, calling people together. I call a church of disciples to follow Jesus and let's crank for Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Revelations 2.20. Because we're making disciples. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual morality and eating of food sacrificed with idols. See, Jesus rebuked the church for tolerating sin. Jezebel, who called herself a prophetess in this church, and yet her teaching led people astray. Just like if you ever hear a woman go, I'm a minister. No, I'm not going to disrespect her right there, but that's not biblically correct. I'm a prophet or I'm a, that's not biblically correct. Churches that have women leading, and that's not biblically correct. Joyce Meyer is not biblically correct. You might hear some things biblically, but it's not biblically correct. That's it. It's not me telling you. It's just not biblically correct. Get mad at the Bible if you want to hear that. It's either you follow the Bible all the way or you don't. That's all I'm saying. I'm either out. I'm throwing the Bible in the church, in the, in the trash, or I'm going to follow it. Either it's really of God or it's not. And I'm not, that's, so I can't do that. I can't go, I'll figure it out and I'll just play church. No, I either got to be all in and strive to grow or I'm done. But I can't do that because God allowed me to have enough faith to go, I can't, it's the truth. I can't walk. I know it's the truth. Even when it doesn't feel easy, I know it's the truth. See, Jezebel. She was leading people astray. Jesus, the call of Jesus was and is do not tolerate sin in your life. Yes. And do not tolerate another's life. But get, make sure you approach people in love. But you got to step up. we got to help each other stay in the light, in love. And we must show each other a great deal of grace. A great deal. Because that's what you have. And, but that does not mean that we are to tolerate willful sin. So if you know willful sin's going on. You got to get in there and don't wait for me to do it. Don't call me. You're a disciple. Your brother's keeper. Get in there. You talk. You love. You go, what's going on? I just want to seek to understand. Are you okay? That's what we do. We help each other grow in the Lord. 
you know, you guys are in Bible talk. Support your Bible talk leader. It's not their Bible talk. We're trying to build God's kingdom. Make their life a joy. Because you'll be leading someday, and you want to make that. Because we're just trying to do God's work. We're not trying to put something on you. It's all God's agenda, right? So, as we close out here, even in the churches, Jesus said, no, I'm not. He challenged the church and said, you're not doing well. You're, you're, you've been doing well, but now you're tolerating this area of sin. You got to deal with it. Because, see, we all need help to confess. But if you're not dealing with it, and it's just walking and living every day and not changing, that can't be tolerated. And you're like, wow, what do you mean? Yeah, it, it's, it, most people never have heard that before that, that are just raised in churches that don't hold the line. We're trying to have great patience, careful instruction. Everybody needs grace. And by the way, if you did miss yesterday, don't feel terrible. You're forgiven. I'm just asking you next time, let's all get involved. And if you couldn't make it, that's amen. But why couldn't you make it? Now put it before God and I love you very much. So don't walk out here going, wow, he just laid me out. But there was like, it's like 50% of the women weren't here yesterday. I'm just wondering what was, I'm just curious, what are you doing? I mean, amen. And if, there was, if, there was a, if they didn't know or whatever happened, amen. And if you did know, amen. But just ask yourself, we're trying to build God's kingdom. It's not like we call to get together all the time, okay? Amen. So we're going to end there and continue in the book of Acts. But let me tell you something. If you're open and if you're humble and you strive to be humble with God's word and reverent, you're going to do great every time. Because if you strive to go, I pray God, help me be humble. Help me, give me wisdom, help me change. That's probably in every one of my prayers. Even if I don't know, even if I just go, I need to change. Even if I don't know what I need to change, I know something's coming. And I need wisdom because I can't, I need to make decisions and make, help me. And then I look at your word and I go, help infuse me with your word and help me stay focused. Help me be humble to people. Help me, even if they're rude, it doesn't matter. Help me to breathe and respect and be kind like Jesus and speak kindly. That takes strength from God, doesn't it? But if you do that, you're always going to be doing awesome. Guys, we're going to build a great church because you're part of a great church. Jesus died for this church, and it's still going. The truth of Jesus is here, and it's amazing that we're in it. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen.